Okay, as in go. Sorry, one second. Fork Tales, a podcast that feeds the food and beverage world. Oh, awesome. Fortales is brought to you by Vigor, a branding and marketing agency for passion-driven, innovative restaurant, beverage, and hospitality brands. Learn more at vigorbranding.com. If you love what we're serving up, please give Fortales a five-star review on your podcast service of choice. Think of it as a tip for good service. Hey everyone, today I am joined by Scott Connett, who shouldn't really require an introduction, but I'm going to kick it over to you, Scott, to give a high hello and a little bit of backstory on what it is that you do in this world. Oh my goodness. What do, what do I do in this world? Well, I'm Scott Conan. Um, I am a chef. I I mean, I, I, I always kind of lead with I'm a cook because I feel like that was my, my first love and entree into restaurants and, and all things food. So that's what I go with. I'm a cook. I'm a cook. Nice. And, and, yeah, I think throughout your career, you, you've been all different kinds of uh, cook, chef-ness from learning pastries in Germany to opening, um, I would say, renowned restaurants. Uh, the, the star reviews seem to have followed you every time you opened one. And then how a lot of folks may know you is from the Food Network, uh, you know, obviously Chopped, but you're, you're on other programs as well. Yeah. Um, and I mean, there, there's a lot to unpack there. And so... Today, I think we, we really want to focus on at least the underlying is there's a new book coming out. I'm really excited about it. I'm sure you are too. Um, but then we also want to talk about your journey a little bit and how did you get to book, right? Um, at least this one. Yeah. Um, thank you. Thank you. I, you know, the, yeah, the book I'm excited about, it's called Peace, Love and Pasta. And it's basically people, you know, the one thing that people always ask me, and I think they, people just ask every chef that they meet, what do you cook at home? What's your favorite thing to cook? So I figured it's a great starting place, particularly during a pandemic, to put it all on paper and and cook it and test it and you know take photos of it. So it's been a great journey, um, just getting this getting this book in print. Um, and I got the first copy last week, and I am just over the moon with how how it looks. And <clears throat> the the thing that I love most about it is it's really simple. I mean, the, the execution of these recipes is simple. They're, they're easy to execute. And what you end up with is, with is really something that I think you expect from a chef, right? Which is really good flavors and something that's, you know, familiar, but interesting simultaneously. Um, and as I said, just, you know, you can make these recipes your own as you, as you, the more you cook them and, and that's working. It's good. Yeah. It's interesting because, uh, you know, during the pandemic, uh, I know, we know a lot of people started, I guess the joke was banana bread, right? Everyone all of a sudden started making banana bread. Um, you know, and I, I love to cook, not in a professional sense by any means, but for myself, for my friends and family. And I, you know, got really good at it and it made it harder to go out and eat. Um, you know, now if something comes back mediocre, I'm a little bit mad. I'm like, I just paid money for something I could have made better. Um, especially when you get to like making fresh pastas and stuff like that, it, it starts to get really uh, difficult to stomach a subpar experience. Um, how about you being a chef? What's that like, you know, going out to eat for maybe a, 
um, a non-event driven eating experience? You know, I think the key is to shut it off, you know, and just try to enjoy yourself. The, you know, the more you sit there and you try to pick apart things or what you would have done or how it could be better or whatever the case may be, you just make yourself miserable. You know, know? the key is let's not be miserable. Let's try to enjoy the experience in front of us. And more importantly, even if you're not crazy about the food, you know, there's, there's so many other aspects of it all that I always, I'm easily entertained. I love sitting in a restaurant. It's just, you know, it's, it's something I've always, I've always enjoyed, you know, taking part in the conversation with company, uh, you know, the people that I'm with is also really important as well. So, um, and if worse comes to worse, tap out early. <laughs> <laughs> or go for dessert, right? <laughs> someplace else, yes. That's right. So what's funny, though, is I think, um, you know, p- programming that's out there, especially across Food Network, a lot of it, I mean, it's, it's I think that has changed the, the paradigm for a lot of us here, stateside at least. Um and I almost wonder if people have developed an expectation that they should be critical a la a chopped or, or something like that where, so anecdotally speaking, I remember we were doing work for a QSR in Honolulu and you know, they're fresh grilling food and vegetables, putting on a plate really. And it was really good, had good flavor. <laughs> but one of the bad Yelp reviews was it lacked presentation. And, and I, I at my desk laughed out loud and I'm like, it was presented in a box like what <laughs> what else did you want uh was, so have you encountered that as well do you feel like you know the, the critiquing that's out there has affected a generation of people in a bad way it really has and it's and it's kind of crazy right people use these bud buzzwords they don't even know what they mean they you know and it really it's it's painful to watch because i feel like i've i've been a part of that <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, kind of my fault. Some of it, so um, it's it's ridiculous when people start getting overly critical of things, and and you know when people come into one of the restaurants and they lead with like I'm an elite Yelper, like I <laughs> just in, try to enjoy yourself. You know what I mean? Like this this yeah. is about enjoyment. This isn't about you looking down your nose at me and everybody else inside this restaurant. Like it just particularly particularly now with everything going on inside the restaurant industry. Um, it, it started off as people were kind of understanding, but it, people aren't particularly understanding and we are really having a hard time, not just identifying staff, keeping staff, but staff that's in and out with COVID where right. you know, suddenly we have eight employees, eight employees is extremely significant for any restaurant, no matter, no matter the size. That if they're not, you know if they're not going to be around for two weeks, you you run into real significant issues, um, and then you know supply chains are broken and everything that goes on top of it. We opened up, I reopened one of my restaurants here in Phoenix a, a few months ago, uh, and it had closed just prior to COVID, and and you know it opened up like like a lot of people. But what we had realized was that we had a forty six percent increase in cost of food. Ooh, forty six percent at my costs. Restaurants don't make a lot of money, by the way. I would be sitting in a very different place right now talking <laughs> to you. <laughs> in one of my many homes if restaurants really made a lot of money. You can make a lot of money in restaurants, but you know, I chose for 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 better or worse, probably worse, to be on the high end of things years ago. So right. <clears throat> traditionally 
they don't make a lot of money. Um, and it's, it's, it's just, let's just say it's hard. I'm not a victim. None of us are victims. Don't, don't get me wrong, but it's difficult. And we want to be there for our team, right? We want to be there for the staff. We want to make sure that they're making a living, but no one opens a business to lose money. I don't know anyone who opens a business to lose money. Um, no one I'm yeah. in business with. So yeah, but it is. Yeah. Yeah. But ho- holding on by a thread is, uh, I mean, all the pivots and, and how agile you had to be and still have to be right now. Like you said, supply chain issues are not fixed by any means. Labor issues are not fixed by any means. Um, I'll be interested to see what happens now that the unemployment has, that faucet has been turned off. Um, because that issue, like with most issues, have been boiled down to headlines and talking points as opposed to like the real meat and potatoes of what is causing it. Um I mean, I think some people can kind of get stars in their eyes and see you at this high level and think that you don't get to that granular level, but you do. I mean, with Scarpetta and um, a few of the, you have three brands, two brands or three brands? Uh, yeah, I'm not involved in Scarpetta anymore for, for about seven years. Sorry about that. Yeah. So, so yeah, I have uh, the Americano, I have Chalayo in the Catskills, and I have uh, the Americanos in Scottsdale, and then I have... Um, I have more Italian in Phoenix and I'm working on a couple other things as well. More was what I was thinking. Yeah. So, but you, you are still in the, in the, in the weeds, so to speak with them. Um, so what were some of the challenges that you faced over this last year and, and how did you even start to overcome them juggling? I mean, you wrote a book and you're still, you have still the, the Scott Conant personality that is a brand. How do you even begin to, to pivot and, uh, you know, get through it. You know, you don't have a choice. You know, you make these decisions, you have responsibilities, you have responsibilities to your, to your team, to the business itself, to your family. We all need to generate income. None of us, you know, I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm not independently wealthy. I need to work, (laughs) you know? Um, so I, 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 I just think that you you don't have a choice in the matter. You got to put your head down and you need to, to focus and, you know, get the best out of the people that you have around you. I mean, that is yeah. ultimately a, a constant conversation and, and staying in constant communication with one another is, is vital, honestly. Um, there's, there's no right or wrong answers here, right? Everything is, everything is fluid. Everything is changing constantly. We see it on a daily basis. So, um, yeah, what, what are you going to do? You, you, you move right. with it, you talk to the people around you, and you make sure that you're making the best decisions for the business, for your team, and for the customers and clients that are coming in. Yeah. And, and you mentioned, um, I mean, you've always been a full service guy, right? So, uh, always been full service restaurants. Um, you know, they, they were shaken obviously really hard during the pandemic as opposed to a QSR. Um, <clears throat> what do you see as the future for full service? I mean, do you, do you see a place for casual dining to thrive do you do you think there's going to be a great divide between fast casual speed versus high touch full service what what are your thoughts on that i think there's always going to be a place for fine dining i i I, that maybe not at the same um you know at at the same broad spectrum that there was or or you know i think inevitably things contract and things in things open back up again, so to speak. So yeah. um, I think there'll always be a place for it. I think that it's probably the people who are really good at it are going to stay there and, the, and the, you know, everybody else is going to have to kind of adjust accordingly. Um, I also think there is a huge market for fast casual and QSR. 
Um, I think that's expanding and growing on a, on a daily basis from what we see. Um, you know, as I look at, as I look at my colleagues around the country, there's a lot of high end chefs that are starting to do, um, quick service or, or fast food even. Um, mm-hmm. and I think it's great. I, you know, I think that the, the, um, you, you just look at the, the spectrum of it all. And I think that there's, there's not really been a chef who's been able to roll out a fast food ideation or concept short of Wolfgang Puck and Wolfgang does a lot of stuff in airports and those licensing deals. They're not necessarily a single branded fast food, um, restaurant. People always say Danny Meyer, but Danny's not a chef, you know, um, great restaurateur, one of the, one of the best ever, but, but he's not a chef. So Bobby did some stuff with Bobby's burger palace and, and we'll see where that lands on the other side of things. I'm always rooting for Bobby. He's a good friend. Um, I mean, there's, and there's more and there's other things, but you look at a guy like Sam Fox out here in, in Phoenix and Scottsdale and what he's created and what he's done. Uh, first he took true foods and rolled that out with PF Chang's took mm-hmm. a lot of money off the table. God bless him with that. Um, and then, you know, he did the same thing with, with flower child and, and I, he had some other things inside there that he's, that he sold, but then he took flower child in, in North Italia and sold those to cheesecake factory. And then eventually his entire company to cheesecake factory. I mean, that is the type of thing I feel like we're going to start to see more and more of, um, where it's already been there to a certain extent, but <clears throat> really good, fast, casual, high quality food with different service points. You know, you go into a place like flower child, you order at the counter, you sit down, they deliver your food. You're, you're really, um, cutting your labor model significantly with that style of service. And I, I find that wildly impressive that Sam has been able to do it the way he, the way he does and has. Yeah. And still output such a fantastic product too. I mean, flower child is Great. truly delicious. Agreed. Um, you mentioned North Italia. I, I know that's not a brand you're affiliated with, but Italian food to me has always been an interesting nut to crack. There, there've been some folks who have tried to fast casual or quick serve Italian food. And they, they always seem to honestly fall on their face. And, and, and it's and it's a food that I don't think is very complex. You have, I would say, a group of foodies or chefs that kind of turn their nose at Italian, maybe because it's so prevalent or because it's relatively popular, easy to make. What are your thoughts on that? Why, why do you think it's so hard to quick serve Italian food well and do it very well high end? <clears throat> well, my experience with, with quick serve, not that I've done it personally, but I've Things that I've that I you know adjacently or, or observed or friends of mine who've done it, whatever the case is, um, it's it's a challenge because it, it needs to be done on the move. You know, you have to do it at the moment of, of order for the most part, um, and that becomes very challenging. Pasta doesn't wait, as we all know. Um, and and you know, then there's the pizza place. There's been a lot of Italian style pizza places that do very well. Um, I, I'm a big fan of Bonchi, which is, is, I think there's one in Miami, one in Chicago current, currently based out of Rome. I, I really like what they do with, with pizzas and, and the Roman style pizza. Italia. Um, I think that's, I think it's good stuff. Um, but when it comes to things like pasta and, and, and whatnot, it, it's just, I think it's tough for people to get their head around something that is it- Italian or pasta driven as a fast casual component, right? I yeah. think that people think of pasta as a, as a, as a quick dinner. I'm, you know, as someone who does and is kind of known for pasta, 
I, I can tell you that there's always pushback on what it is. They, they, there's there's got to be some kind of almost luxury ingredient inside the pasta, or it needs to be elevated. One of my signature dishes is the spaghetti uh, with the spaghetti al pomodoro, pasta al pomodoro, with you know tomato sauce and, and basil. And mm-hmm. <clears throat> I feel like I would never try to make that base a an entire restaurant concept around that in a fast casual setting um because it's it's special in a fine dining environment because people appreciate the simplicity of it right and the Mm -hmm. the, in in the way we can almost you know you know it's almost revered right the way Mm -hmm. way it's presented and all that kind of stuff in a fast food setting that's going to be a real difficult sell i feel like Um, i don't have the answers people keep trying um, people have approached me many times about doing some Italian stuff, something Italian fast food. And I, you know, I'm always open to the conversations, but, you know, ultimately to your point, like what makes it special? You know, why is right. it special? You know? Yeah. I mean, it's gotta be hard to, to operationalize the speed. Like you said, pasta doesn't keep, um, and there's something, I hate to use the word comfort or the phrase comfort food. Uh, but pastas really are just one of those long-standing comfort foods. Um, and can you really deliver comfort food, I think, in that fast, fast format and still maintain that reverie, like you say, that that moment, that specialness about it? Um, so I want to get into the book, which definitely centers on pasta. But first, I, I think there's there, there's some there's always an aura around folks who have hit a certain level in their career. Um they're at that quote unquote celebrity level, which I know is probably goes against your, your own humble uh, personality. But I think there's some folks who would love to know at at what point did you say, "Um, I'm doing well with restaurants. I feel like this is great, but I want to get a face out there. I want Scott Conant to be a name. Um, What was that moment? And and how did you go from chef to that level? I didn't, I never had that moment. I, I, just, okay. I feel like, I feel like, you know, I've done restaurants. I've been in restaurants for 35 years now, but I start since I started cooking as a 15 year old kid, uh, in Waterbury, Connecticut. And, um, I think that there's, there's inevitable, um, you know, there's an inev- inevitable expansion. There's, there's, you know, there's want desire, all that kind of stuff. As I started doing more restaurants and I was involved, uh, in opening more restaurants and identifying deals and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, what's the next step um, in, in getting those restaurants that were decidedly high-end restaurants with check averages of $100 or more per person? Um, what's the next step? The next step would naturally be, you know, how do you create an advertising platform for yourself that's going to sell those restaurants? So it wasn't necessarily about just about me. It was about getting the restaurants out there. So um, as I was approached just to, to do some stuff on, on the Food Network, it made perfect sense to me. You know, I had turned down some other opportunities on different networks with different shows, and I really kind of kicked myself that, that, that those things didn't, didn't work out or I had turned it down, um, mm-hmm. especially identifying the success of what those shows be, had become. Uh, and I, and I figured it would just made sense to expand an advertising platform and what better way to do that than on television. Right. I mean, it was really a business thing. It wasn't about my ego. It wasn't about me becoming 
popular or or a quote unquote celebrity chef, I kind of resent that because it mm-hmm. it almost mm-hmm. sounds like I don't work hard anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know I mean? Yeah. Where you know there's this sense of celebrity and you just ride that wave or you're a sellout or whatever the case may be. As I said, I still work for a living, right? I'm still trying in and inevitably there are people who, who look at me and say, I want to be where he is. But inevitably I look at other people and say, I want to be where they are. Like, I don't think right. of myself as that guy. You know what I mean? And anybody who knows me knows that, you know, I'm uncomfortable with that, you know, with, with all that talk. I don't think of myself as one of, you know, kind of quote unquote, one of those people. And yeah. all my friends don't think of themselves either as those people. I mean, no one would want to hang out with, with them. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I was just listening to uh, Joe Rogan. Uh, I'm blanking on her name. Who was just on talking about Anthony Bourdain yeah. and, and, and his uh, ongoing, what some people call imposter syndrome, which I don't think it's imposter syndrome, honestly, because like you said, it's easy to be outside looking in, to never have met Scott or, um, you know, Anthony or one of the many other celebrity chefs out there or whatever, and just say, no, there's someone who has, has it made. Uh, like you said, strolls up, does some high five, kisses the babies and just goes to the bank laughing and it's not real. And so it's good to hear like the breakdown that that's not a reality. Like there's still a ton of work. I mean, like you said, running restaurants, not one, many, uh, dealing with pandemic, watching, um, you know, the, uh, the costs go up and the revenue go down, trying to put on a happy face when you have to in front of the camera. Um, hope, you know what I mean? There, there's talk about hustle. And, and I think people see, oh, no, you just go around being famous. That's what it is. <laughs> I think that's the thing. I think that people don't realize the amount of work that it actually takes. I remember the first time I met Rachel Rose, right? This is, a, okay. this is a, a great moment for me. She said, did you guys see this thing last night on TV, this thing happened? And I said, Rachel, we still work for a living. Like, we're still in restaurants. <laughs> she looked at me like venomous. And she was like, let me tell you something. All right. I worked 18 hours a day and she went through her schedule and I felt like a, I felt like a douche because I, <laughs> I wasn't yeah. saying you don't work for a living. I was saying we're still in our restaurants every night. We don't have, you know, we're not, we don't watch TV like that. That's yeah. the point. Like, you know, we're up in the morning, we leave, we don't, we come home. It's one, two o'clock in the morning, probably, you know, that's, that's what it was. But what I realized inside that moment was the sensitivity that she had. And, and, and I, frankly, and now I have, where people mm-hmm. question the relevance, you know, whether or not we are relevant as, as cooks or as, as, as whatever, um, mm-hmm. because we have some level of notoriety. And the fact of the matter is, is that it takes a lot to get here and it takes more, not just to stay here. Like I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not that guy, but mm-hmm. just, just to, to maintain and to be where you want to be. We all have hopes and dreams and ambitions, right? I just happen to be living mine, right? When I was right. a young cook, these are the dreams and the hopes and the ambitions that I had. And I'm fortunate that I've been able to kind of realize some of them, but I still have a long way to go. I still got a lot of things that I wanted. That's right. Yeah, yeah I, I identify with it a lot. I mean, obviously, I'm not a I'm not a celebrity, but you know, for for a while there before the pandemic, when you were able to go to talks and uh, listen to folks of varying degrees of success speak on 
you know, the future on uh, getting to where they are. There was this under underlying message of F the hustle of, you know, it's not worth it. And there's a part of me that kind of laughed. I'm like, are you just trying to kill competition? Cause, cause you hustled to get to where you are. I've been hustling to get to the level that I'm at, which admittedly isn't that high, but still better than starting out. Right. And yet you're up here telling everyone to not work hard. Do you just not want people to compete? Is that the idea? I've never, um, heard, I've never heard of such nonsense in my life. You, you're, yeah. you're not going to get anywhere if you're not hustling. Right. If you, this is what I, this is one of the things that makes me crazy today. How people look at at chefs and say, "Look at that glamour! Look at that glamorous life that they live." There's no glamour in this game. Like you know, you know, me talking to you is fun, and we can talk about the past, and we can talk about the future, and we can say, "Yeah, we've identified successes and and things of that nature." But I yep. worked my ass off to get, I was working a hundred hours a week when my friends were out drinking. You know what I mean? Like I still work 80 hours a week and it's time away from my family and it's time. And people are like, Oh, woe is you Scott, right? Like, Oh, you, you got it really rough. I'm just saying I work. You ask me how, how it gets done. This is how I did it. I don't know another right. way. And of course I resent myself on occasion or working too hard or being a jackass and, and not going, you know, going out after work instead of taking business classes online. Like I probably should have, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like there's a, there's a million things you could look backwards and say, I shouldn't have done that. I should have done right. this. I should, I could be better than what I am. I don't know anybody who doesn't think that way. I don't know right. anyone who doesn't think that way. And anyone successful is meant to think that way. You're meant to be better. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Just be better. Realize your potential. That's all I, I've always said in my career. All I want to do is realize my potential. That's it. It's not too much to yep. ask. Right? No. I mean, and that, that ethic runs deep when you love what you do, you know? Yeah. Well, no one should do anything that they don't love to do. Right? I'm a big fan of Joseph Campbell, if you're familiar with Joseph Campbell. Mm -hmm. And and, you know, he had this, this saying called follow your bliss. And I always say you need to pursue happiness at, at all costs, at all expenses. And it's not selfish to pursue your bliss. It is not selfish. I mean, that's, that's one of the things that is going to help you identify success because those, the, all that hustle and those 80 hour work weeks and 90 hour work weeks at a hundred hours a week that you're working doesn't feel like work. And I know it's so cliche and it's kind of like, you know, you know, pursue what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. It's a, it sounds like such bullshit. But the fact of the matter is, is that I believe that I yeah. believe that if you just do what you love, it never feels like work. It never feels like you're sacrificing something. Absolutely. Yeah, I was just asked this morning, actually, well, I was asked last week about this morning to <clears throat> intro myself to a larger group of folks and then also um, answer the question what I'm passionate about. And I thought all weekend about it. And I'm like, this is going to sound like a load of garbage, but I'm really passionate about restaurant strategy from brand to marketing to interiors, like not working in the kitchen. I'll be honest. There's a reason why I'm not in a restaurant, <laughs> but I, that's literally, like literally my passion. If you catch me outside of quote unquote work, what am I going to talk about that? Um, what am I going to wax on about that? And, and therefore working 80 hours a week doesn't feel like it because 
I like doing it. It's, you it's know? just part of your life, right? I mean, it's, yeah. it's I, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in that. I really am. I, th- I think that if anybody is counting their hours, you shouldn't be doing it. You know, right. I, I don't work in restaurants like I used to work in restaurants. First of all, I don't have the, I don't have the bandwidth like I used to. I, I can't turn it all off and just focus the way one needs to focus inside a restaurant in order to be there on a full-time basis. Um, I have a lot of focuses and I have a lot of people that, that I work with in order to, to kind of compartmentalize things and, and keep me, you know, kind of focused on the things that I need to be focused on. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, man, I, I agree with you. I think that it's, these are, these are hard choices sometimes for all of us to, to yeah. have to make, um, and identifying what that, you know, it's one thing about being passionate about something, but that doesn't always equate to being good at it. And that's, that's right. another one of those challenges that we that we all find where, you know, you see you see, I don't know how many 60 something year olds I've spoken to in my in my career where they say, I want to be a chef. I want to go back to culinary school and I want to work in restaurants. And, you, you know, you, you talk to them, you spend some time with them, you realize how passionate and how much they love food, but it doesn't necessarily equate to a job on the line. Right. I mean, that's right. a tough transition to it particularly at you know at a certain age i always say it's a young person's game you know um but there are a lot of things within the food world that make a lot of sense for other people right there are a lot of jobs inside inside food genre that um that'll that you can do right and it doesn't and a lot of it most of it 99.9 percent of it is not glamorous you know right yeah, I think it's great. So we, uh, all right, we got heated. Let's find some peace, some <laughs> peace, love, and pasta. So, all right, now we explained a little bit about what's in the book, uh, the cookbook that's coming out. Let's let's start though with the name. I got to hold it up so everybody's. Uh, I love it. Love and pasta. Yeah. It's good. Oh, that's great. For those that are listening, um, it's great big, huge words, peace, love, and pasta with a beautiful foil fork behind it. It's gorgeous. Yes, it's, it's, um, it's good stuff. So that name, tell me about the name. How did that come to you? <clears throat> All of it. <laughs> All of it. So, you know, for, for years, um, you know, just for personal personal stuff, I've always been somewhat, at least on the, over the past 20 years or so, on a, a little bit of a spiritual path. I've always tried to, you know, be better and identify some level of, of inner, inner wisdom stuff. It's all personal. I really don't talk mm-hmm. about it in a public forum. But um, I feel like since I've had kids in particular, obviously, I've been sp- spending more time at home. And my first three cookbooks... Um, I, you know, <laughs> I think it came out in 2013, my last book, uh, my kids were little. Um, mm-hmm. and I feel like, I don't know if you have children, but it's really in, in, if you really allow, when you have children, if you just allow them to really truly come in, I feel like it is the biggest life change that we can have. Um, and I had a, a shaman years ago tell me, if you want to figure yourself out, you want to make your life good for your for children, Scott, you want to, you want to make their lives better, fix your own shit. And that, <laughs> and I felt like that was really, she was speaking to me, you know? Um, yeah. and so uh, for years I've been, I've been working on myself and trying to be better. Um, and I feel like that, that name peace, love and pasta kind of represents 
where I am. I feel like, you know, peace and love is something I, I, I choose to pursue. Um, I have, I have opinions as you can tell, but I'm, but I'm, you know, I'm always open and I'm always in a non-judgmental headspace with the exception of when I do uh, judging on television with food. Right. Um, but you know, and I, and I feel like with pasta, it's just something that's been such an important part of my life and my career. Um, and there's a good, really good, healthy section of pasta inside this book also. And it's things that I've, I cook for my family, that I cook for my friends. Um, there's a section of things that I cook for the girls, my daughters. Uh, there's some, my wife is Turkish, so there's a lot of Turkish stuff in there mm. uh, as well. If you've never sat down and had a proper Turkish breakfast, um, it is it is a special, a special moment. Um, so there's a little bit of that inside there and some of the breads and eggs and all that kind of stuff that impede and all those things that, that, uh, Turks do. Um, so yeah, that's, I feel like it's an expression of, of my years of cooking. Um, some of the things are from my first job when I worked, as I said, it was when I worked in Waterbury, Connecticut, and I've kind of tweaked these recipes over the years. So big stuff, mm-hmm. lobster and, and, you know, zucchini blossoms that my mother would cook when I was a kid and, and some versions of those things, you know, some of them filled with ricotta, um, you know, just all kinds of like fun, whimsical recipes that are little small twists that I've personalized, made my own. Um, and I think you, you end up with something really simple and elegant simultaneously for dinner. Yeah, I think it's it's such an appealing title. Um, not trying to pump you up but for for a few reasons one i think it's really timely with uh the the current state of the world um i think we could all use 30 to 30 to 60 minutes of peace and love uh amongst friends um but also you know i see cookbooks and um i obviously have a few and it's really interesting but i love those first two words because it really nails on the head why i love to cook at home you know, I love to cook for friends. So for instance, I just had a birthday and uh, my wife asked me what I wanted to do. I was like, I would love to have people over and I would love to cook for them. Right. And she's like, on your birthday? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, because it's peaceful. And then when you see people enjoying it and you're with them enjoying it, that's love. Yeah. Um, and pasta is a good one to end with because it's amazing. Pasta is great. <laughs> <laughs> but if I agree with you. That, that, that you know, I... Bobby Flay said to me one time, it was just, we were shooting together and he asked me, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? It was like a week before Thanksgiving or two weeks or so. And I said, I have like 40 people coming to my house and I have this 46 pound turkey and, and we're, you know, I'm just cooking everything and I'm really excited. I'm doing like eight courses. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, isn't it amazing that what we do for a living is also what brings us joy and peace at home and we do it on our time off. And I really had never put that together before. I'd never yeah. really thought about it. Uh, and he was, he's a hundred percent right. I mean, it is what we bring, what brings us joy to be able to bring joy to other people. And there's, yeah, it's great. So you, you'll like this. And then I have one more question before we shore this baby up. I made a new year's Eve dinner this past year, invited some friends over. We had an issue at the house that prevented me from cooking in my own kitchen. So we uh, went to a, friend's house. One, they had an electric stove. Don't get me started. I wasn't ready for that. Okay. <laughs> but whatever, we deal with it. Uh, I prepped everything. I, you know what I mean? I brought everything prepped. So it really was just at that point cooking Heat and, serve, yeah. and 
Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I just grill it up and heat it up. And I won't go into what I made, but it did involve handmade pasta because I think that's a wonderful process. And my friend, who's Italian from New Jersey, he's a really good friend, he shows up with stromboli that he bought. And I just give him this look like, are you going to smack my mother in the face next? What are you doing? Like, I made dinner. You know I was making dinner. And he's like, oh, I can't show up without food. I'm like, no, you actually can show up without food. <laughs> like, I promise you. It was uh, it was a moment. I had a hard time getting over, and I obviously still uh, harbor a little bit a little bit of anger towards it. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I still bust his chops about it, but, I, uh, you know, I listen, I, I think that as, as an Italian, it's perfectly normal to show up with food. Right. I, yeah. I, I do think that it's probably better to show up with wine or some kind of an accompaniment. Like if you want to be a big shot, bring truffles, you know what I mean? You want to, right. You know what I mean? Like beat beat. But I also think that you can't take away from the person who's doing the real heavy lifting and work there, right? Or right. at least make it something that won't be consumed with dinner. Make something that's consumed, you know, in your own life, in your own personal time, not today. Does that make sense? Right. It does. Yeah. Actually, I think I'll have to uh, make that a a rule for people who want to contribute. Yeah. Bring a liquid. Bring a dessert. You know, but don't mess with the, the, the full food that I'm making here. <laughs> all right. So um, we're going to have all the links on where to buy this this cookbook. I have right. two more questions. Um, I want to I cannot wait for this to come out because I am going to try some of the recipes, um, of course. But all right. Number one, if you had to pick one recipe to try in the book, what, what would it be and why? That's a tough question because there. And I was like asking which is your are, favorite kid, right? There are degrees. <laughs> <laughs> there are degrees of difficulty in, in some of the yeah. things. Um, I the other day I was doing a cooking demo for someone. I did these chicken cutlets with stewed baby tomatoes and just put some burrata on top of it, which is kind of like a play on play on a chicken parm, for example. Mm, mm-hmm. um, and that that was you know, a big winner. Uh, a lot of people were super happy and excited about that, which, which I, I appreciate obviously. Um, yeah. But if I were to sit down and make this, there's a risotto inside uh, this book, which I, I love. And what you do is you take onions and you caramelize them. You know, you take like 10 pounds of onions and you caramelize them over a, a day and a half, 18 hour period, um, 18, 20 hours, whatever it is, just really, really slowly cooking them, allowing them to caramelize. And what was 10 pounds becomes like a pint of this delicious, sweet onion puree. And you, you know, you pass in puree and all that kind of stuff and then make risotto out of it. It's a, a, a recipe, mm. a recipe that I used to do years ago uh, at a restaurant called San Domenico in New York city. And I worked there for five years or so. Um, and it's, it's a traditional dish from San Domenico and, and um, you know, make this beautiful risotto with these caramelized onions and finish it with, with Parmesan cheese and a little bit of butter. And it's creamy and gorgeous and, and just so deeply flavored. Um, but then I top it with um, short ribs of beef that are braised in a really deep, uh, instead of red wine, I use red wine and uh, red, red wine vinegar. Mm-hmm. So that vinegar really cuts the fat content of that of that short ribs, and it just creates almost a raisinated flavor profile. If you think of that deep, sweet, acidic deliciousness, right? Yeah. I'm sitting on top of risotto with some pickled fresno chilies and stuff. That's what I think I would cook right now because I'm in the mood for it. And again, it's it's worth it's worth the time. <laughs> 
Yeah. That's awesome. That's All right. So final question. Uh, this <laughs> is probably the most important question. That was probably a long no. when you geared up. No, that's, that's exactly what I expected and what I wanted, man. That, that's awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I hate the short answers. It's like, I would make a good coffee. <laughs> like, all right, well, thanks, Scott. That helped nothing. But all right. Um, <laughs> that's right. So, all right. Biggest question probably of your entire career. Would you rather, this is how you know it's going to be a good one. Oh boy. Would you rather let Bobby Flay beat you on national television or eat a bowl of red onions? Um, I, you know, I'd prefer neither, uh, if I had to put myself in that situation, but I, listen, I think being beat by Bobby is almost a rite of passage. You know what I mean? (laughs) I don't know anybody who's been, not been beaten by Bobby. Very few people have competed, you know, cooking uh, food competition more than Bobby. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I would be honored to be by Bob, to be beat by Bob. <laughs> I don't want a bowl of onions. No, no, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I really love understanding people's like idiosyncrasies of like things that they dislike. Uh, so, for instance, Andrew Zimmern's like absolute vomituous reaction to walnuts cracks me up. That's why I'm like the yeah. the man can eat like cockroaches and be fine, but a walnut. He loses it. So I did laugh uh, when you mentioned how much you distaste uh, red onions. So you know, it, it, had to ask. Just to be clear about the onions, if I may, if I could just take two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm even going to time myself. So all I ask for with the onions is not to be raw. They just need to be treated. Like let them soak in water or salt or salt and water or vinegar and water or vinegar, salt and water, whatever the case may be. Just they need to be treated. That's, that's all I say. It's not, we're talking about haute cuisine, right? If I went to a deli and I ordered a salad, I would expect a raw onion sitting in my salad. I don't expect a raw onion when we're talking about something like, like fine dining, like haute cuisine. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's such an intense flavor. I I I think that was a minute by the way. So I didn't go on that long of a tangent. That's right. That was good. That was good. I get it. It's such, it's so intense of a flavor. It really does overpower just about anything unless you treat it right. That's right. Um, well, thanks for all the insights. Thanks for the rawness, no pun intended. Um, and thanks in advance for a book that I uh, cannot wait to get my hands on. And hopefully the listeners do too. Appreciate and uh, absolutely gracious and, and uh, can't wait to talk again. I look forward to it. Man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. If you love what we served up, please follow us at Vigor Branding on Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Medium. Fork Tales is produced by the team at Vigor. Audio and video post productions provided by Zencaster. Music performed by Jet Trash and licensed through musicbed.com. Joseph handles his own hair, makeup, and stunts. Copyright 2003 to 2021, Vigor Graphic Design, LLC. All rights reserved.